The scripture reading for this morning comes from Ezra 1, 1 through 4, 3, 10 through 13. In the first year of our king Cyrus of Persia, in order that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of King Cyrus of Persia so that he sent a herald throughout all his kingdom and also with a reading edict that declared. Thus says King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has cha- charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem in, Judea, or in Judah. Any of those among you who are of his people, may, may their God be with them, are now permitted to go up to Jerusalem in Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord. The God of Israel, he is God who is in Jerusalem. And let all survivors in whatever place they may reside be assisted by the people of their place with silver and gold, with goods and with animals, besides freewill offerings for the house of God in Jerusalem. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments were stationed to praise the Lord with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, according to the the directions of King David of Israel, and they sang responsibly, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. And all the people responded with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of families, old people who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house. Though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of a joyful shout from the sound of people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is the place I grew up. This building is my spiritual home. My parents tell me that when I was five, I chose this place, these people. I'm the reason we're Methodists. Actually, you could say the people here are the reason we're Methodists. Seeing this building now brings back so many memories. Moments of nostalgia overwhelm me at times. I've been in every room of this church, every nook and cranny. So when I heard several years ago that they were going to build a new church building, my initial reaction was why? Why did they need a new building? I'll be honest. I felt more than a tinge of pain. Every time I walk through this old building, the memories flood back. It's funny, but just looking at specific spots in the sanctuary, people's faces come to my mind who are now long gone. Sunday after Sunday, my life was shaped in this room. The first time the Spirit of God moved within my heart took place in this sanctuary. My great-grandfather gave me my third-grade Bible here. This is the spot where I knelt at 12 years old and was baptized. I've even preached in the pulpit here. I spent a summer in this office as a youth director. This was the same summer I was called to ministry. Seems like a lifetime ago. Seeing the past packed up in boxes reminds me to hold on to those memories. You know, the Fellowship Hall was so much bigger when I was a kid. How many youth lock-ins, potluck dinners, birthdays, anniversaries, and celebrations took place in this room. There is power in nostalgia, but nostalgia's presence can sometimes overshadow the calling we've been given. It can leave us stuck longing for the good old days. Nostalgia shouldn't shackle us to days long past, but should spur us to follow Jesus in new and exciting ways that create new memories for the next generation. This church allowed the nostalgia of days long past to inspire them 
to embrace a vision for the future. This building served its purpose well. What was accomplished in faith here will last for eternity. But growth and time demand change. This new building, it's amazing. It takes the best of the old and creates a space that is it's more practical, more accessible, more functional for the future. You know, moving forward does not dishonor the past. It is the faith of those who have gone before us that enables us to embrace God's vision for the present. We have to be brave enough to move forward, brave enough to look into the eyes of the next generation and teach them and train them for what's to come. Change is inevitable. It's not easy. In fact, it's downright hard. Buildings come and go. Methods come and go. Denominations come and go. But the good news is, in a world of overwhelming change, our message of Jesus never changes. With one hand, we may hold on to the past, remembering and cherishing all that God has done. But with the other, we must boldly reach for what God has next. May the nostalgia of the past inspire us to look to the future that God has in store for those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. Amen. Thanks to uh, Ben and uh, Sean Lowry for putting that video together for us this morning. They did a great job. And uh, we're in this sermon series, Nostalgia in a Season of Change. And I am nostalgic by nature. And I bet you are too. And uh, I love the past. I love things in history. And uh, I love things in general. In fact, if you were to step into my office uh, if you've been in my office before, there's a couple things you'll notice pretty quickly. First is I'm a collector of things. I have a lot of things in my office, right? Uh, and you'll probably notice first that I have a lot of books. I love books, and I especially love Methodist books because they kind of remind me of my history, where I come from, who I am. You'll also find in my office a lot of toys. Now, I say it's because of the kids that come into my office. It gives them something to do, but the reality is they're my toys, right? Uh, And because they remind me of of those carefree days as as a kid playing. And also uh, love records. You know those things, vinyl, 12 inches, you put them on a turntable, play music, spins around? Yeah, because it reminds me again of of growing up and sitting in my parents' living room and, and listening to music. I'm nostalgic. See, those things, they, they connect me. They connect me to my family, to my past. They help anchor who I am. And they're a reminder of where I come from. And that's what nostalgia is. That's what it's all about. Nostalgia is that sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. That's the clinical definition of nostalgia. And so when I go into my office, when I see those things, they remind me, they anchor me. And so I can, I can hold a hymnal, hymnal from 1849, Methodist hymnal, or a book of discipline of the Methodist church from 1912. And yes, that's before I was born. But even though these were before I was born, they anchor me to my heritage, to my past. And I'm reminded of who I am. And I can see a toy from my childhood and be reminded again of those great days. Or I can put a record on the turntable 
and be transported back in time. It anchors me. Any Dave Brubeck fans out there? Nobody. You're missing out. But here's the thing. Nostalgia isn't a bad thing. In fact, it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. It helps us remember who we are. It can boost our well-being and our self-esteem as well. And studies have shown that it helps us actually socially belong. And it can help us to be more charitable as well. We, we see that nostalgia is a restorative way of dealing with stress. It helps restore our well-being. It helps us remember that our lives have meaning and value and purpose. It anchors me. And, and I think all of us are in need of some anchoring right now. During this time that we've had of COVID, aren't we all longing for some normalcy, some anchoring? We're nostalgic for the past. Aren't we all longing for things to stop changing, for maybe things to just stay the same for, for a week, maybe two? We're all longing for those good old days. Remember February before COVID happened, right? That's what we're longing for, to, to go back to that normal. But if we're not careful, we can get stuck in the past. And, and, and that nostalgia that we long for can keep us from embracing the future. And God's future plan for you is better than the past. Let me say that again. God's future plan for you is better than the past. As people of faith, as Christians, our best days are always ahead of us. Our best days are always ahead of us. We might have to go through a lot to get there, but our best days are always ahead of us. So many have looked at the season of COVID and, and we can only see the bad, the struggles, only see the chaos. But I want us to think differently though. And, and, and we've been talking about this a lot. I want us to really think differently. I want us to think like God thinks. I want us to see those God moments in this season, to celebrate those things that are good and not focus only on the bad. Now, let me give you an example. During this season of COVID, for five months, my daughter, my son, my wife, and I were kind of stuck in our house together. That was a fantastic thing. There's probably not another time in our life where we'll all live under the same roof for that amount of time again. So it was a blessing in the midst of it. We got to do things. We did things we typically wouldn't do. We got to play games and things that we wouldn't do otherwise. It wasn't easy, but that was good. See, I wonder in this season, what if God allowed this pandemic to push us to move beyond where we were living to embrace a better future? So often we just look at the negative, but it's usually during difficult times that we're forced to grow and adapt and change and cling to God more tightly to have trust and faith. Too many, too many of us though, this is how we typically think. Uh, if times are difficult, then it's bad. And if times are not difficult, then it's good. That's how we think. We, that, why? Because we like easy. <laughs> we like things being easy. 
but life isn't easy. The Bible never says life is easy. But let me say it again. It is usually during difficult times that God is calling us to grow in our faith and to lean into him so that we can be strengthened and strengthen those around us. During normal times, we really don't have to have faith in God. When things are easy, we don't need a lot of faith. It's only during difficult times that we have to have faith. We so often long for normal. We do. And God longs for faithful disciples who are fully committed to his kingdom here on earth. I think God is giving us an opportunity. I think God has given us this season, this opportunity to let go of the past and propel us to a new future. And that is not easy. It's hard, but it is good. You know, we're probably not going back to normal anytime soon. And it's human nature to struggle with this. We like a lot of things in the past. I like the past. I'm nostalgic for the past. But what I really want us to understand during this sermon is that embracing the future doesn't dishonor the past. Embracing the future doesn't dishonor the past, where we've been. We can still have those cherished memories of the past, but lean into our future that God has for us. That's what my home church did. They didn't let an old building handcuff them to the past. They built a new building that was better suited for their future. They took that nostalgia, built the best of their past into the new and embraced a new future. That's what we're called to do. We're in a season of intense change, of cultural upheaval, a season of distrust, and it's unsettling to us. And most of us have never had to deal with this much change in such a short amount of time. And it can be overwhelming. I I think, uh, how many of you are freshmen at WT? Any freshmen here? Yes. Wow. What a time to be a freshman in a university. Think of all the change that you have had to go through in this, this last year, and it can be overwhelming. But there's some reasons why this time is difficult for us. And I want to share th- uh, three specifically that probably most of us are dealing with in, in one way or another. The first one is this, is we all have the same job titles, but with completely different job descriptions. This This is if you're a student, uh, an employee, an employer, uh, a working mom, a teacher, whatever. We joke on staff that all of us, we have the same job title, but our jobs look completely different than they were before. It is tough. Uh, It's not the same job. The skill set that we have were designed for February. We weren't ready for March in April, in May, in June, in July, in August. We've having to learn new things. Even parents are having to learn how to reparent and parent differently. Teachers are learning how to reteach and teach differently. My skill set as a pastor was perfectly aligned for a pre-COVID world. Post-COVID, I have had to learn things I never wanted to learn. 
uh, just being honest. And students, you're having to do the same things. You're having to relearn how to be a student, in fact, and what that means. It's tough. The second reason why this season is tough is because for many people, your job or skill set are no longer needed. We've seen many who have had jobs that have lost their jobs because what they did in that season doesn't translate into this season. I know a powerful executive who makes lots of money. Their job was travel and sales. They can't do their job anymore. In fact, they were laid off. It's heartbreaking because that skill set they're going to have to redefine in this new world. Third, the past doesn't make us panic. The future does. We're not nostalgic for the future. We are nostalgic for the past. And part of the problem we have, it's just human nature, we all do this, is that we look at the past a little bit with rose-colored glasses oftentimes, meaning it's easy for us to forget the tough things and just linger on the good. It's hard for us to see the future. We aren't nostalgic for the future. We're in a season of intense change, and, and our focus will determine our future. If we focus on the negative, it is easy to find the negative in this world. Just turn on any TV, social media. We're in a season of an election. You want, to, you want negative? You can find it. Absolutely. What will your focus be? What will your focus be? If we focus on the movement of God in the midst of the change, we will see his kingdom coming more clearly in our own lives. It can be scary though. But remember that embracing the future does not dishonor the past. In our scripture, the nation of Israel had to deal with the same thing. They had an especially hard time embracing where they were and embracing their future. We read from Ezra earlier. And in the text, we're seeing the end of the Israelites' 70-year period of exile in Babylon. They've been living in exile for 70 years, and here in this text is the end of that exile. And we read these words. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of King Cyrus of Persia so that he sent a herald through all his kingdoms and also in a written edict declared, thus says King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of those among you who are of his people, may their God be with them, are now permitted to go up to Jerusalem and Judah and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. An amazing passage. Just, I think it was three weeks ago, if you were here, you heard me preach on this story from Jeremiah's perspective. Now, let me recap that story. Uh, At the beginning of the Israelites' exile, the prophet Jeremiah, he told the people, he said, you're going into exile, get used to it, because you're gonna be here for 70 years. That's what Jeremiah was telling the people. And all the other prophets, they didn't like what Jeremiah said. It was like, oh no, this is gonna be a short exile. It's not gonna happen that long. But Jeremiah said, no, it's gonna be 70 years. And so if you remember, it was another king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, he destroyed Jerusalem and he destroyed the temple of God. And the people went into exile and, and Jeremiah told the people to settle in, but don't settle. 
Settle in, but don't settle. And what did he tell them to do? Pray. Pray for who? Everybody. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who just destroyed your your home and your temple. Pray, 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 because you're going to be here for 70 years. And now we're at the end of 70 years, and another king of Babylon, Cyrus, has been called by God to let the people go, to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. How crazy is that? God uses a foreign king to rebuild his temple. So long story short, many go back to Jerusalem, and they begin to rebuild the temple of God. And with most good building projects, after you have your plans, the first thing you build is the foundation. Yeah, you, you build that. Yeah, someone said cornerstone. Yeah, you use the cornerstone to build that foundation. So let's pick up the story from here. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priest and their vestments were stationed to praise the Lord with trumpets. And the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols according to the directions of King David of Israel, And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. That's actually a psalm. And all the people responded with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Verse 12. But many of the priests and Levites, the heads of the family, old people who had gray in their beards, who had seen the first house on its foundations, wept with a loud voice when they saw this house, though many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sounds of the people's weeping. For the people shouted so loudly that the sound was heard far away. I'm weird, but this is one of my favorite passages in all scripture. I love this passage. And the reason, I'm so glad that Ezra had this in in the the passage here because it's so raw. It, it, It shows the people's emotions, what they were going through, what they felt as they laid the foundation of the temple. The old people wept. Why? Nostalgia. They remembered when the original was there. They remembered the first temple. The young people shouted. Why? They were excited. Here's the new. This is cool. They weren't alive when the old was there. They had no memories tied to that old building. No emotional connection. And I can understand that feeling. Some of you understand that feeling as well. You know, many of you old people in this room have been, <laughs> been through some of that even in this church. This space that we're standing in, in 1923, a sanctuary was built right here on this space. It was torn down in 1995 before many of you were born. But some of you here in this church remember that old building. Some of you were married in that space. Some of you were baptized in that space. Some of you heard God for the first time in this space with that old sanctuary. And when they tore that building down, many in this church wept. I understand that. I feel that. Great things took place in this space. But here's the cool thing great things still take place in this space. Amen? Amen. But sometimes we get stuck in the past. We get stuck and God wants us to move forward. We get stuck and God calls us to a new day. We get stuck and God has to force us to open our eyes 
to the new. Embracing the future doesn't mean that you dishonor the past. I said it in the video, and I want to remind us of this again. With one hand, we may hold on to the past, remembering and cherishing all that God has done. But with the other, we must reach for what God has yet. I don't want to be a stumbling block for God's future. I never want to be a stumbling block for what God has for us next. But to do that, we have to be diligent in prayer. We have to humble ourselves and be open to the Spirit's leading. The reason that we're doing this series right now is because we are in an intense season of change. And I don't want us to get stuck. Now, some of you younger people say, well, this this is really for old people, right? For those who remember the old and the past. I've seen more young people stuck in the past than old people. (laughs) A lot of young people can get stuck and say, this is the only way it can happen. But we're in an intense season of change. I don't want us to put our head in the sand and just dream of the good old days because God calls us to something new. As a church, we're in an intense season of change. And it won't let up for some time. In fact, we were talking about this as staff. Just buckle up. It's not going to get easier. That doesn't mean it's bad. It's just not easy. It can still be good. In fact, most of the time, it's during difficult times that it's good. Just as an aside, when did God reveal his name to Israel? when they were slaves in Egypt. That's when God revealed himself. It's during difficult times that God often reveals himself to us. You know, many of the methods we used in the past don't work well right now. Methods change, but our message doesn't. And that's critical. In a season of change that we're in, we anchor ourselves to God's word that doesn't change. So that in the chaos surrounding us, we, we can stand strong in all the changes that take place around us. Now, many of you know about the changes that are taking place in the United Methodist Church, what we're undergoing right now. Uh, now, with COVID-19, many of those conversations were just kind of put, put aside for a while, and rightly so. But we're going to have to face it again. If, if you don't know, uh, number one, the United Methodist Church was supposed to have a general conference, and a general conference is like the big meeting of the church. It's a uh, general conference is all the Methodist Church, United Methodist Churches around the world. It was supposed to take place in May of this year. That was postponed till September of next year. But what was most likely going to happen in May was that the United Methodist Church was going to split into two or more denominations. And with that split, our annual conference, Northwest Texas Annual Conference, was most likely going to leave the United Methodist Church and become part of a newly formed denomination. Again, that didn't happen because of COVID-19. It's been postponed till September of next year. And the issues, though, don't go away. But we're now having to live through a season of unrest and uncertainty. It's just the way it is. I wish we didn't have to deal with this issue. I wish we could go back to the good old days, right? All of us do. But God is pushing us to live into our future with faith. 
part of our denomination, United Methodist problem, has that it has gotten stuck in the past, stuck and focused more on its survival than its calling to make disciples. That's a problem. So sometimes things have to change. But because of this challenge, our church is having to navigate rough waters ahead as well. But I want you to hear this. I'll tell you this. There is nowhere else I'd rather be than right here, right now, in this church, going through this season, because I see God in it. And I see God moving in our midst. I see God making disciples, transforming lives, helping us to be more creative in what we do. It's amazing. And and I'll tell you this, the leadership of this church is absolutely fantastic. You should be proud of the leadership of the church. And I'm not talking about our staff. Our staff is awesome. We have a great staff, but I'm talking about those lay leaders, people out in the pews that, that lead our teams and our committees. I'm always amazed at their faithfulness of of seeing the past of what the great things this church has done, but not letting the past handcuff them to the future that we've been called to. They've been so supportive in spite of the challenges. I've seen our leaders over and over and over again embrace the rich heritage of the past of our church, but not let the past handcuff them to what God is calling us to the future. I, I wanna just give you an example in how we have to really look at what we're focusing on. Are we looking at the negative or the positive? Uh, the third Sunday of August, we had 281 people in worship in the building between our three services, the third Sunday of August. In 2019, we had 392 in worship in the building. Now I can look at that and say, yuck, that's a hundred less people in worship this year than the year before. Now, we could say that if that's just what we focused on, but that's not the end of the story. In addition to the 280 we had in the building, we had 216 people worshiping online. We reached 100 people more during a global pandemic in the summer than we did during normal. And so often we long for normal. But God longs for faithful disciples who will go on, who will move forward in spite of what goes on in the world. We're also starting a new campus during a global pandemic. Not what I had planned at all had I planned for that, but apparently God planned that for us. But I just wonder, if we can reach 100 more people during a global pandemic in the summer, I wonder what God has in store for us for our Amarillo campus. So I I invite you to continue to be praying for that. Our launch date is January 10th. We're also having to address the name of our church with the upcoming split of the church. Again, I sent a letter to uh, our members this uh, week and a half ago to address that issue. We'll have a town hall meeting September 13. You'll see that in the bulletin in the coming weeks as well. But these are challenges that we face, but we all have challenges. We're all facing issues that we're having to deal with. But here's the thing, take heart, because Jesus has overcome the world. That's what I want you to remember. We can have nostalgia for our past, remember all that God has done for us, 
and be thankful. And remember too that embracing the future does not dishonor what God has done in the past. And more than anything, like God told the Israelites during their exile, what did he tell them? Pray. Pray. That's our calling. Pray to be faithful. In fact, let's bow for a word of prayer right now. Heavenly Father, as we uh, come before you again in this moment, I am reminded again of how many are truly going through changes that are just absolutely overwhelming them. Students coming back to school, first week of school, second week of school, overwhelmed by assignments, overwhelmed by just family issues, overwhelmed by not knowing where they are, what they're supposed to be doing, overwhelmed with so many things. These changes can just grind us to a halt. I know teachers can be overwhelmed with these new conditions and, and just work and life. But in these times, Lord, I pray that you would give us your peace through your spirit. Help us to be reminded of all that you're doing. Help us, God, to refocus and to not see the negative, Lord, but help us to have eyes to see those God moments that are taking place right before our eyes, but we're not paying attention. We can't see. Take the blinders off, Lord, and help us to see where you are moving, how you are moving in ways that are absolutely incredible. Lord, we can get so self-focused on our own inconveniences and, and the things that stress us out, but we know, and I know, Lord, that that this season is a calling for us as your people to be faithful, to grow in faith, to grow in discipleship, to grow in prayer. So come, Heavenly Father, in this moment, as we sing here in just a minute, Lord, may this be our prayer that we, we just trust in you more and more, that we would have a deeper faith for, for what you are doing in our midst. Lord, transform our hearts, open our hearts to you. And, and whatever we're dealing with, Lord, may we, may we leave it at your feet. We thank you for this moment. I hope that we can look back on this moment with nostalgia, thankful for what you've done, but never get stuck in that moment, but reach for what you have called us in the future. And I pray in Jesus' holy name, amen.